Well, um, this morning we are in the Gospel of Mark chapter 1, and if you will look at verse 14 as we continue, Lord, we come before you now and ask that you'd give us ears to hear what your Spirit is saying to the church. In Jesus' precious name, amen, amen. So Jesus coming out of the wilderness, having been led by the Spirit for 40 days, to have gone without food and water. And we saw at the very end of that, how Satan came and in a very weakened condition, uh, thought that he could even get Jesus to bow down and worship him. Uh, that's how weak Jesus was. So when we look at the Lord was tempted in all ways as we have been tempted yet without sin, that could, he, he could be our merciful uh, and gracious high priest, it really does uh, mean that he did go through it. But after that, some time went by. So Jesus, uh, if you remember, John, after he got baptized by John, we know from the Gospel of John that Jesus said, go to his disciples, go follow Jesus. He's the one. I, I, I was just the, the guy before him. Quit following me now and start following Jesus. And they did. And we have a, a very long, lengthy uh, story on that in the Gospel of John chapter 1. But we do know that then Jesus left him into the wilderness for 40 days. And then the, recoup the recouping time after that, we don't know how long that was. Uh, maybe another month or two months or three months. We don't know. But while Jesus was out being tempted and Jesus was recouping, John the Baptist, it tells us, was thrown into prison. And so now... If you would, the Old Testament has officially ended. John the Baptist was the final Old Testament prophet. And now the New Testament is beginning. So all of the voices pointing to the Messiah have ended. Now the Messiah will speak and after his death and resurrection, now all of those speaking are now looking back to the cross. And thus we have 2017 today. Why is that? Because we're, 207, two, we're 2017 years since our Lord. And I, and I love when the presidents write that. I know... Uh, the, the President Bushes used to always write that. They would never write just whatever year it was. They would always write it longhand, as many, many presidents before them did, saying, this is the 2000 and whatever year from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, many, many official documents, they put that. And so, uh, again, you have a carpenter from Nazareth who never traveled farther than 90 miles from uh, his, where he was born and raised. He never wrote a book. He wasn't a great inventor. He wasn't a great soldier. He wasn't the child of some royalty. But yet, to the four corners of the world, his name is proclaimed. And the dating system of all the planet, except for a few little rebellious backwards pockets, declare that history is broken down 
into before the coming of this carpenter from Nazareth and after <laughs> the carpenter of Nazareth. And people now, they're trying, as we know, our institutions are so liberalized that they're, they're spewing complete nonsense and, and people are going indebted for their entire life to get a degree often in, in nonsensicalness. And they're trying to say, well, BCE, before the common area, or ADE, after the common area. And you say, well, what's the common era? And boy, they have all kinds of answers for that. But it's, it's ridiculousness for them to try to rewrite history. And so John the Baptist is in prison, and now Jesus comes to, you would think, Jerusalem. That's where all the power, the money, the colleges, the prestige is. The north is the backwards. You never went to Galilee unless you had to. The northern part of Israel, the southern part, Jerusalem, Judea, that's where Everybody, the who's who is. But Jesus just went to the backwoods, if you would, to Galilee, the only lake in Israel. You have the word sea, which uh, it comes from a, a, an older English word, which just means a body of water. So when we take people to Israel, sometimes they'll go, well, this is not the ocean. This is a lake. Yes, the Sea of Galilee is a lake. It's the Lake of Galilee. And it's not a huge lake, about 14 miles by about 8 miles. And the, the area, it's sort of in a harp shaped. And so this is uh, where this comes from. And uh, interesting, it's 800 feet below sea level. And this is where Jesus did almost all his ministry was on one of the lowest spots on the earth. Not too far from there is the Dead Sea. That is the lowest spot on the earth. But it's interesting, the lowest fresh-bodied water on the planet is this Lake of Galilee. And that's where Jesus did most of his ministry. So most of his ministry, interesting enough, was below sea level. A guy who, like no other, was on the level. But... Uh, Yet he did it below. And notice here, it says right away, preaching. Let, let's make it clear. This was Jesus' main thing. Now, he did a lot of other things. He fed the people. He did miracles. He debated the Pharisees. There, there, was, there was a lot of aspects, but this is what he was mainly doing. This was his main thing, was preaching the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now, the Jews at this point had been raised learning about the second coming of Christ, as we learn in the second coming of Christ, the book of Revelation has been spelled out in much greater detail than the Old Testament ever did. Actually, the, most of the book of Revelation comes right out of the Old Testament. It just puts it all together uh, nicely, takes all the little pieces of the puzzle in the book of Revelation and puts it together. But virtually every concept in Revelation is somewhere else in the Old Testament. That was it. Jesus is going to come. He's going to conquer the Romans. He's going to set up his own throne and all the world will 
uh, come to that king. And, and they were looking for a literal physical kingdom. And they were quite upset. And even the disciples, after Jesus died and after he rose again, he came and it says all their hearts were hardened because he had let them down. Even when the Pharisees came and, and said, hey, take that thing down that says Jesus is the king of the Jews. Take that down. Just say he said he was the king of the Jews. And, and, and Pilate said, what's written is written. Leave me alone. But he, he, Pilate said, hey, are you a king? And Jesus said, if my kingdom were of this world, people would be fighting for my release. Do you see anybody fighting? Yes, I am the king of not a kingdom, but the kingdom. And the kingdom right now is not visible to us, but it will be soon. Very, very soon, a matter of fact. Of course, if North Korea bombs us, sooner than anybody thought. <laughs> and that's going back to trials in the wilderness. Um, but the kingdom of God is here. And we're going to talk about this through the whole Gospel of John. What, what is the kingdom of God? What, what, how does it differ now that Jesus has come and, and taught us? What does it mean? And this is where all the religions of the world have to make Jesus one of their prophets or one of their gurus or one of uh, the wise men or one of the... Because you can't ignore Jesus' teachings. The Muslims say he's a prophet. The Hindus say he's one of their gurus. They all have to accept his teaching because the kingdom of God has come. And if you just read the gospel and ask yourself, what is God's kingdom? You will see it. It is a powerful kingdom of love, of being a servant, of forgiving of being kind and merciful and living a sacrificial life, putting everybody's interests before your interests, seeing everybody as more important than yourself. And just like Jesus laying down your life and being the servant of all men, that other people can be lifted up and blessed and they would be drawn unto that kingdom through your life. You would be in a living epistle read by all men of what the kingdom of God is about. And of course, we can't do that on our own. This is where we need the God's Holy Spirit to fill us up. And that brings us into the book of Acts. But here he says the kingdom of God is here. Of course, in their minds, they're thinking he's saying something different than what they will come to find out. But then he says the time is fulfilled. This is the exact perfect time for me to start my first day of ministry. Now, we just got to remember this, guys. There's no coincidences in God's kingdom. Far as you are concerned, those, it says in Psalms 1, the way of the righteous the Lord knows. The way of the unrighteous, not so much. But for us, he has angels round about us. He knows every hair upon our head. There is not one little prick of a rose that God doesn't know about. 
and he has you in the palm of his hand, in the sands of your life or in his hands. There's no need to fear anyone or anything on this earth. He's got you. Fear not, little lambs, Jesus said. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you his kingdom. And so we have this uh, amazing comforter knowing that whatever's going on, God's got it. He's sovereign. He sovereignly knows. So later on, Jesus is going to come riding down the hill of the Mount of Olives from Bethany on a colt. And they begin to say, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, singing the Messianic Psalms and laying down palm branches. We call it Palm Sunday. And if you go back to the book of Daniel, and I'm not going to go into this, but it declares this very day, 173,880 days from Artaxerxes, 445 BC, giving the declare to rebuild the building Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, from that day, the Messiah, the Prince, would come and then be cut off for all his people. It tells us in the book of Daniel. And on that very day, they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the Pharisees said, tell them to stop that. And Jesus said, this is the day the Lord's made. If you try to stop these people, the rocks will start crying out. Jesus was right in the perfect timing. And guys, when all hell starts breaking loose in your life, when weird, bizarre difficulties come upon you, when sickness and disease and death, God's, God's got it. He's got a plan. There's, there's no coincidences in your life. <laughs> right down to the very hairs on your head. And this was the perfect timing, the exact timing. Jesus is coming and preaching, and he's saying the kingdom of God is at hand. It's now. So what does he say to do? Number one, repent. And number two, believe. The word repent in its most generic sense, metanoia, is just to have a change of mind or a reverse of mind. It's basically saying if you need to, to no longer be where you're at. So you're living in San Diego and experience the kingdom of God. You've got to move to Colorado. You've got to leave where you're at and go somewhere different. So the kingdom of God is here, but you're not going to get there from what, the way you've been living. You've got to now listen to the preaching, learn the principles and then begin to walk in them, and you will get to where you need to go. But you're not going to leave where you're at unless there is a true repentance. What, what does that word mean? Well, we understand it, I think, towards another person. Maybe you've experienced yourself as an alcoholic or something similar. Maybe you had an affair and actually left your wife and your kids for a time. And then at some point, you realized your eyes were opened 
being an alcoholic or living out this lustful fantasy with this other woman and and you you realize how this is just pierced to the heart your precious wife and maybe it was on a christmas eve you left your girlfriend and and you came home or maybe you weren't quite drunk yet and you're coming home christmas eve and and you're bringing a few presents and you see the children and you you realize that the way you've been living is just piercing them to the heart. You realize two things. You first realize what you're doing is damaging. And then the more important thing, you realize what you haven't been doing is even more damaging. You see, had you been a faithful husband or not been an alcoholic, you would have been loving and building up the marriage and your wife would have been treated in a tender and a precious way and, and, and she would be this person growing and blossoming rather than trying to fight from being stomped to the dirt. The kids would feel security and joy and they wouldn't have that little hurt in their heart and they try to be happy but they're always sad when they try to include dad into the picture you realize what you're doing is damaging other people you realize what you're not doing is doing even more damage by not being a person of honesty and integrity being a good employee being a faithful husband a loving father and there's something that happens, and the Bible says this is a sorrow that leads to repentance. But now here is true repentance to go into the kingdom of God. It's when we come to realize that by not walking in the kingdom of God's principles, I am hurting God. David, when he committed adultery with Bathsheba and, and then he indirectly had her husband Uriah murdered and David was just distraught for month after month after month and, and, he, and he just couldn't get his bearings because he just couldn't imagine God forgiving such a huge thing. He came to the point and, and he said, against you, you only, God, have I sinned. Now, we know that wasn't true. <laughs> he greatly sinned against man. But he was right in this sense that I have so, in a greater way, sinned against my relationship with God that is powerful and as clear as it is to me seeing the human beings I'm sinning against, it's nothing compared to the injury that I've had against God. And again, in two ways. One, by not walking as he would have you walk and not being fruitful as you should not be fruitful. Time, finances, living according to your own will and not the will of God. But then even more so on the other hand, by not growing in him, the, 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 not being in the word where he could teach you not praying that he can answer prayers. 
not sharing your faith with others that others could come to know the Lord. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 11, he, he says to the believers there, there's some among you who do not have the knowledge of Christ, and I speak this to your shame. I remember, oh, I've heard this more than one, but I remember this very clearly where a person came and just was so pierced to the heart. And they said, you know, I work in a cubicle uh, with this group of guys and we're really close. And, and uh, we had one of these guys come in and, and say, I've got to tell you guys, and I need to tell you about Jesus. And, and, and I got born again. And, and I want all of you guys to know because I want you to get born again. And, and this person who had been in the Lord for many years, said, I am a Christian. And the person's face just fell. And they're like going, do you know how much pain and suffering and depression? And I have been so empty for years. And I, I, I was on the verge of suicide. Oh, I looked great at work. And the whole time you knew about Jesus and you never shared it with me? How? How could you be so cruel? How could you be so selfish? You see, there, there is the point where you come and you say, by living according to my own wants, my own desires, my own will, I am sinning against God who's made me. He knitted me in my mother's womb for his purposes, his will. He made this mouth for me to speak his word. He's made these hands to do good works unto Jesus. And then the greater sin, not growing in the Lord, not growing in the word, not growing in prayer, not maturing as a Christian. As he says in Hebrews 6, you, you guys are still fiddling around with the basics of what does it mean to pray and be baptized. And, and by now, you shouldn't need to be taught anymore. You should be teachers. You see, the greater sin is where you realize I am not being the fruitful human being God created me to be. This is a godly sorrow where I realize I've sinned against man, I've sinned against God, and yes, I see it against man, and, and that affects me in a very earthly, real way, but do that times a gazillion, and that's my sin against God. Repent, but don't stay there. Believe now. Believe what? Believe in the gospel, the good news. Jesus came to save sinners. There's the good news. Remember in 1 John chapter 1, in verse 8, it says, For we say that we have, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Remember when Jesus gets confronted by the Pharisees and, 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 and he's different times, eating with sinners sometimes or, or touching people that are uh, unclean to the religious people. 
And Jesus said, hey, the doctor goes to the sick. I've come to heal the sick. And then the Pharisees were like, oh, well, I don't need any help then. And Jesus said, no, no, no. You're sicker than anybody here. Your religious ways are, are even worse, but you're not willing to come to the doctor to get help. So that's, that's the problem. So if you say, well, yeah, you know, I could be better. I'm, you know, I, I think that's why I'm kind of church, to be a good person, and because I want my kids to meet other good people. And, you know, yeah, I, I don't want to be a, some heathen that never goes to church. But, you know, I mean, come on. Don't say I'm some wicked guy that needs to repent. Your heart is desperately, deceitfully wicked. Paul said, there's no good thing that dwells in me that is in my flesh. O wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death. You are a sinner with a capital S. You are so wicked, you could teach the devil a few tricks. See, that's coming to the kingdom of God. To say things as they really are. And, and to agree, and this is what this goes on to say in 1 John 1, 9 now. If we confess, that means to be in agreement with God on this issue of sin. What happens? The gospel. He for, he's faithful just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness white as snow, makes you as righteous as Jesus is righteous. But then he comes back and he says again in verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, what happens? We make him a liar and his word is not in us. So he, he says it on both sides. Repent and believe. But it doesn't matter if you believe if you haven't repented. And if you think that you're like, yeah, you know, I told a little white lie. And yeah, you know, I, I could have been kinder. And yeah, I could have been. No. Unless you are coming to agree with God. Well, why does God need to think I'm such a horrible sinner? Look to the cross. They didn't come and slap Jesus' hand. Bam. Okay. Now you can go and die because that's, that's the worst sin that anybody did little slap on the wrist. Is that what happened? He was brutalized. He was tortured. Isaiah 52 said they beat his face so badly it no longer looked like a human being. His back was just shredded. He was killed in the most painful way they could imagine being nailed to a cross stripped naked in that culture more than any it was the most shameful thing believe me Jesus didn't die because of little white lies Jesus didn't die because we're good but could be better Jesus took wickedness upon him Jesus took rape and murder upon him. Jesus took Hitler's sin upon him. Jesus took Osama bin Laden's sin upon him. And Jeffrey Dahmer's sin upon him. And Jesus took all your sins upon himself. He had paid for every one of them. All you now have to do is believe and to say, I am a sinner, and I am sinning fruitlessly against my fellow man. 
And more importantly, I am violating God's will for my life, his purpose for my life, and I am fruitless towards God. And if you can come to that spiritual truth, then there is a godly sorrow now that can lead you to a godly repentance, and now you can believe. You know, it's that simple. Confess your sin. And he's faithful and righteous to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. What's the catch? There is no catch. There's no catch. When people have a hard time believing that, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot that verse existed. Yeah, that's that the actual literal Greek means uh, some of your sins are forgiven. Yes, that, that verse means that the little sins you confess, God will forgive you as uh, long as there's not too many. And they're looking at that, reading it, going, what now? Yes, that's what it says there. If you confess your little tiny sins, then, you know, as long as they're not too horribly bad, then he'll forgive those little stuff and, you know, give you a, a little buff job cleaning, you know. And they're going, no, that doesn't say that. Well, I don't know, read it to me. Well, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous, forgives our sin and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. That's what it says. Then believe it. I believe it. <laughs> don't sit around going, well, is it true? I don't feel like it's true. I ask God to forgive me, but I still feel bad. And I, I get it. Our feelings are all over the place. If we start listening to our feelings, we are going to shipwreck ourselves. We've got to believe. Believe means putting trust in God. Trust in his word. It's identical. You cannot say, oh, I trust Joe. Just don't believe anything he says. It can't exist. If you say you believe Joe, that means you believe everything Joe says. If you believe in Jesus and you believe everything the Bible says. Now, some of you are like David after he sinned with Bathsheba and you're, you're, you're so heavy. You're condemning yourself and Satan is adding on, condemning you even more. And you've sort of forgiven, you've sort of given up on ever feeling clean again. Well, you're here today because God, sovereignly, knowing every hair upon your head, he, the angel seated you right where you're sitting unless you're in the back and then no. Um, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Um, he's sovereignly put you there right now and he's given you ears to hear right now. Because he wants you leaving here clean. Amen? Amen. So right now, we're going to pray. We're not done with the sermon. Don't, don't get carried away. <laughs> but right now, I want you to, to be clean right now, to hear the rest of this message. Let me lead you in a prayer and just let it express the attitude of your heart. God, I'm a sinner. And I feel the weight of it right now under the preaching of your word. I sense it. I am grieved over my damaging of man. And I see it that even a greater damage to the one who made me for your plan, your will, your purposes, I have not surrendered. I'm living in my own lust, in my own greed, in my own stubbornness, in my own selfishness. I'm putting myself before everybody, my interest before everybody. I'm even lying and stealing Lord, forgive me, and I repent that I'm not being the person 
that I'm supposed to be to my fellow man, to my family. Forgive me most of all that I've not been the person that you created me to be as you knitted me in my mother's womb. To speak for your name, to know all the Bible, every word of it, every jot and tittle, to know every bit of your word, to let your Holy Spirit mature me so I am no longer limping around as a weak, anemic, fruitless Christian. But I'm walking in fullness of the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, witnessing and walking in the gifts of the Spirit. I repent, God. There's sins that come to mind right now that are so in the forefront. Forgive me for those. And I know there's thousands that don't come to mind right now. And I trust as I am broken in heart, confessing, agreeing with you that I am a sinner in need of being purified. You'll cleanse me from all sin. I believe you, no matter how I feel, I believe you in your word. In Jesus' name. Amen? Wow. The Bible says that all of heaven is rejoicing. The Bible says that he right now, the Lord himself is taking responsibility to prepare you like a bride on the wedding day. White as snow without spot or blemish or any such thing. And now we go to the second part of this. In verse 16, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were at the boat mending their nets, and immediately called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with a hired servant and went after him. So notice now, Jesus came preaching, and, and these guys no doubt had heard it, repent, believe, and now immediately he says to what? Follow me. There you go, guys. Well, I did repent. I did believe. Now, what do I do? I, I know I go home and I don't watch the Chargers because we hate them now. <laughs> but what do I do? What do I do? Now you follow Jesus. That's it. But look at the heart of these guys. Immediately. Understand, guys, if you're not seeking God in the word and seeking him in prayer and passionately coming to speak into one another's life, we're not, we're not a bunch of drones coming in like a bunch of robots, sitting down, singing songs, hearing a sermon, go out and forget what was preached to you. We are here as a vibrant body. We're here to lay hands on one another, pray for one another. Last night, I was just feeling very low, and I called up one of our brothers here in the church and, and just said, man, I got to confess some sins. Here's what's going on. And he just started sharing these scriptures with me and, and just washing me in the word and, and prayed for me. And I'm just like, we can't make it alone. We can't. We, we need each other and, and you need to get out of your comfort zone and, and, and find people you don't know. And try to remember their name. I'm the worst at that. Everybody's buddy. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. 
hey, brother. <laughs> um, but what's, what did God speak to you today in the message? Wash each other. I'm going to pray for you right now. Well, how do I know what to pray for? Whatever you want. What do you want? Well, I, I just want to have God's hand. I want his blessings. I want to be able to pay my electric bill. I want to, you know, yeah, then pray for that for them. You already know what to pray for. Love one another as you'd want to be loved. But immediately, they took off and they started following Jesus. Notice he didn't go to the universities. He just came to common men. That's all God's looking for. He's not looking for superstars. He's not looking for theologians. He's looking for just regular old everyday guys. And he comes to them and, 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 and all he does is say, follow me. Do you understand that's it, guys? That's it. Well, what do I need to know? Do I, you know, understand the deep things of God. There is nothing. Jesus said, go into the world and make what? Disciples, that's the word learner. Follow me, just learn. Hang out, learn. And then what, is, what did the blind man do? He said to the Pharisees, hey, all I know is I was blind and now I see. That's all I know. Yeah, then just share what you know. The woman at the well, she goes into the city and tells them, hey, this guy knows all about me. He comes out and they said, now we believe not just because of what you said, but because we heard Jesus himself. The whole city emptied out. What you know is enough. Now he says, go and be what? Fishers of men. That's what God wants to make all of us. Right now, you repented. You believed. Now start following Jesus. Everything he speaks to you day by day, go and share that with others and make fishers of men. That's it. He'll make you. Well, I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not really a good public speaker. Well, nobody is. I, it's, it's a fearful thing. But, but if I, if I share with somebody, they may not like you. Most likely that's going to happen. Yeah. You're going to have a lot of enemies by telling people Jesus loves them. I hate your guts now. Well, he also wants to forgive your sins. I hate you even more. Yeah, it, it's weird. Satan's out there. It's spiritual. Just think about it. Somebody stepped out of their comfort zone and shared Jesus with you. And they were just like you now, just dying a thousand deaths, going, are they going to hate me? Are they going to, I understand. And people say, hey, you have no, you have no right poking around in my private world. Just stay out of my religion. And you say, no, no, no. Jesus has commanded me to go knocking on those doors, even to, to try to force them open. Jesus has called me to do that. I have a warrant. <laughs> I've got to come in, and I've got to poke around, and it's going to hurt, and you're not going to like it. But to all those who believe, it's the power of God unto salvation. To those who don't believe, yes, they get angry about it. It becomes foolishness to them. But guys, there's no greater joy than to have the privilege to see somebody come to Christ and then to say, what do I do? Here's the Bible. Just follow him. But, 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 don't you have to, you know what? Yeah, there's all kinds of things. Just read it and find out and follow Jesus. Well, where do I sign up? No place to sign up. God's already signed you up in heaven. 
Just follow him. It's that simple. Jesus didn't say, go build church buildings and go start organizations. He said, I will build my church. Now, he did say to not forsake the gathering together of the brethren. He did say, God's given to the church, pastors and teachers and prophets and evangelists are all of this to be matured. But it's not this organization that America and, and Western cultures turned it into and making it this heavy burden of religiosity. I had a brother this week, Sharon, going, yeah, I came here and I, I didn't think I could ever make it into a church again because it was, I just had so many bad experiences and I came here and there you were dressed like a regular guy and walking around in flip-flops and just talking like you'd talk to me across the dinner table. And, I, and, I, and it just healed me. It just healed me. And I've learned so much about God and the Bible. I never, I was in a couple other churches, and I, I can tell you I never learned anything about the Bible. Here, I, that's all I learned is the Bible. And it just, it's healed us. Yes, it's that simple. And you, we're all to do that. Every one of us are to do that. We're doing it here formally on Sunday mornings, but all week long, just repent, believe, become fishers of men. Do it, guys. Jesus commanded us all to go into the world and make disciples. In 2 Corinthians 3, 5 and 6, it says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves as to think anything is being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who's made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. In John 15, 4, he says, abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who, what? Abides in me, that's it. And I in him bears, what? Much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. There it is, guys. It's just abiding in him. But here's the thing. It's immediate. They immediately, every one of them, immediately said, yes, I repent, I believe. Yes, I'm going to start digging into the Bible and just praying and asking God to lead me. And I'm going to say what I know. I was blind and now I see, hey, come and, and listen to this guy, Jesus. He told me, whatever that means to you. Maybe it's, I had one guy, it was funny, on, on one of our um, get-togethers with the men, a guy came up and said, oh, yeah, I, I hate giving out tracts. You know, a few years ago, you told us all to give out tracts, and that was the worst thing. Then I had another guy come up going, man, ever since you told us to pass out tracts, I've, I've done thousands of them, and so many people have come to Christ. And I'm like, tracts, no tracts, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe, I know some people invite people to church. That's their thing. They're like, hey, come to church with me, and they have a gift. Somehow it's like, yeah, I want to go to church with you. Some people feel religious about that. I, I, I don't know. I just know as you abide in him and his word abides in you, you will bear much fruit. Why? Because he is making you by the power of his spirit, fishermen. And I'm telling you, there's no greater joy than to catch a big old giant one. <laughs> Bring him in. Get him up on the boat. <laughs> Baptize him. Oh. And, and then to see them growing in Christ and then they become Sunday school teachers and home fellowship leaders and 
worship leaders and event, you know, missionaries. It's, it's an amazingly ex- joyful experience. So as we head into 2018 of the years of our Lord, let's, let's just let this word right now say, yes, Lord, yes. Immediately, yes, Lord, I'm gonna follow you. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you right now in the name of Jesus, we ask, Lord. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we ask. that every one of us would not be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. That we wouldn't just hear a message and walk out of here and forgot the things that you have spoken to us today. Because we sense it. Your, Your spirit is here. The power of your spirit is here. We know Satan has worked overtime to keep us coming today. We know he's pounded us and hindered us because he didn't want us to be washed in the water of the word. He didn't want us to be forgiven and cleansed and and all of us to have this response to just say, I'm letting go of whatever is my security and I'm following Jesus. Lord, please. And again, if you're here today and you say, I'm not a believer, I I, I did pray that prayer with you earlier, but uh, am I saved? It's just simple, guys. Just cry out, Lord Jesus, forgive me. I yield, Lord. I yield to follow you. I yield from this point forward to seek you in the word, to gather together with other believers, and day by day to just obey what you show me in your word. Fill me with your spirit. And give me the power now to obey you and be fruitful for your kingdom. The Lord now has written your name in the book of life. And he now, when you stand before him one day, will say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of my kingdom. You believed in my son. You believed in his death and resurrection. You are saved.